0: Welcome to the Press Coverage Podcast. I am your host, Eric Crocker. And on this inaugural episode, I'm going to have a guest on today, Brad Kelly from the Draft Network. How you doing, Brad?
1: I'm excellent. Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, man. So, um, you know, we kind of got into this media stuff around the same time. You know, you started off, first time we were talking, uh, you were more on board with Cover 1. And then that kind of, you know, went to something else with the Draft Network. So can you talk about, you know, how you kind of got into this whole thing doing, you know, draft media coverage and things like that.
1: Yeah, I was uh, I was a couple of years ago, I was still coaching high school. And uh, I was on Twitter, just basically following some draft guys, just because of an interest uh, in the draft. And I had always scouted players uh, growing up and, and in college and everything. And, you know, I had my own rankings, too. And I would talk about a little bit here and there, but I was mostly doing it with my friends and whatnot. But I was following some draft guys and then just interacting with them, seeing some seeing some things that I saw as well, uh, you know, as a coach and and specifically really with more wide receivers and stuff. So I actually started to put out clips to help my players, uh, you know, like put out clips of receivers and tight ends doing, doing stuff and, you know, stuff that they could learn and they could see, and then they could go out and practice as well. And then it ended up being, you know, I was interacting with those guys so much that I got offered a few writing spots uh, to write about the draft. And, you know, originally it was just free, free type of work. And, uh, eventually, Cover One picked up on it, and and they offered me a spot to write with them. And then, uh, eventually, the guys from the Draft Network saw the work I was doing as well, and uh, you know, gave me my first uh, you know paid writing gig. So it kind of just fell into it. I didn't, I didn't, you know, a year ago I didn't expect to be here, and uh, <laughs> now I am. We're a week, almost about a week from the draft, and uh, you know, ready to do our first live show. So it's gonna be, it's been a crazy rise, but that was kind of the the story of how it fell into it.
0: And, you know, you talked about it, you know, a year ago, and that was about the time when we started following each other. And I I think last time I checked, you know, around that time, we both had around like, you know, four or five thousand followers. And and since then, man, I mean, your following has blew up. You know what I'm saying? You went from about (laughs) four or five thousand. You're over eleven thousand now. Kind of, you know, with how people have perceived you and like the love that you get, how how has that been? How has that whole that journey, that process, how has that gone?
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy. I, you know, uh, last October, so only going back like you know sixteen or seventeen months, whatever it might be. I had like eight hundred followers, and it was all family and friends, and you know people I went to college with and stuff. And you know, started to to write about the draft, and then I was putting out just a lot of football content and videos and that type of stuff. And a lot of a lot of people got a hold of it and enjoyed it and, and followed. And you know, I, I can't think them enough because it, it's helped me, you know, grow and and interact with so many people, and, you know, it's not something that I expected to happen. And every day I wake up and there's, there's new followers, and it's just it's weird to me that I have a following, but it's not, it's it's fun, too. You know, every time I put something out there, I'm getting people responding, and so it's a good time. I have a lot of fun with Twitter.
0: Yeah, and I, I've kind of had the same type of experience where I, I was just posting clips of defensive backs. Um, you know, I'd see good footwork or bad footwork, and i just kind of pointed it out and say, hey, this is what I see. And sure enough, you know, a lot of people started gravitating to that and and telling me how much they liked my work. And that was something that drew me to you as well. You know, I I noticed that, you know, you had a really good eye and you were able to break it down. Because everybody can kind of see it sometimes, especially if you played it. Right. But not everybody can talk about it and be able to break it down and make it so that the casual fan knows what you're saying. How do you think that your experience, you know, playing the game has helped you with, you know, how you view prospects and you know grade them and things like that.
1: I think playing and coaching. So my first two years out of out of college, after playing uh, in college, playing receiver inside tight end, I was coaching rece- the wide receivers at a high school, the high school that I, that I attended. And I think that helped me more than anything because you're explaining it to 15 to 17 year olds, so you have to kind of use terms where they can understand it, and then at the same time. When it comes to high school teams, there are some kids who, you know, I, I, I was blessed to work with, you know, three receivers who are going on to play Division One football. One of them is about to go and he'll be the third one. And some also, but it's also some of them who are just kind of JV guys. And you can kind of see the difference between them. You know this guy kind of gets it he has those athletic traits he has that technique and then this guy he's a little bit behind he's a little bit less developed but you can see the difference between them and that helps you then say you know this is what's going to get him to the next level this is what's going to get him to the next level so i think that helps with projection and it just helped me you know pick up on terminology that i could use for younger guys and then i can use that for the casual draft stand so they can better understand it too
0: so last year you were probably alone on this boat, but you had Dante Pettis <laughs> as your wide receiver one. And that just kind of, you know, I wanted to know, what do you look for? Like, what what are the skill sets, the things that you value, you know, to put a guy as Dante Pettis number one that most people probably didn't even have in their top five, eight or ten, you know, but you had him number one. So what, what do you specifically look for when you are evaluating receivers?
1: So I think you kind of have to look for different traits when it comes to different, different receivers. You know, you're not going to eva- evaluate Hunter Renfro the same as you do DK Metcalf, for example. Uh, so th- there has to be differences. And when it comes to that, like medium sized, you know, route runner that, that Dante Pettis was, i am looking for that explosiveness, the route running technique that get that allows him to get open. So there was a lot of those guys last year, remember Pettis, Calvin Ridley, Anthony Miller, um dj Moore, deshaun hamilton those guys were all those like medium size all very good route runners i just thought dante was the the most complete out of all of them because he was a plus blocker he had obviously the great special teams he had nine punt return touchdowns he only had four drops his last two years of college so he had great hands uh he was great he was i mean unbelievable after the catch i mean just so so flexible so like you know his balance was incredible uh, explosive yet he, he had it all after the catch, so he was just a guy who I thought was very complete compared to the other guys. Whether like I thought Calvin really had some drop concerns, um, I thought DJ Moore was a little bit raw in his route running, so I, I felt like Pettis just had that most complete game in a class where there was a lot of similar guys to him,
0: right? And 49er fans they probably agree with you, you know, he got to put a lot of that on display this year uh, as a rookie, you know, he was in and out of the lineup, he banged up here and there. Uh, So he he missed a bunch of games, but when he got in the rhythm down the stretch, you know, you saw that big playability, had a huge game um, against the Seahawks, had another nice game against, you know, the Broncos. So he started turning it on, and a lot of those things that you just talked about with him, we got to see firsthand. And I know 49er fans, they're expecting a big jump in his production going into, uh, you know, year two.
1: I think he's in line for one, too. I mean, just looking at their depth chart and and the opportunities that you think he's going to get as long as he stays healthy. I mean, he's gonna, he might get the targets of a, of a number one player, at least a number two receiver. And I think the more, the more targets you get him, especially all levels of the field, you know, he can do it deep, he can do it in the screen game, everywhere in between, that he's going to really thrive.
0: Right. So not only have you been, you know, evaluating talent and, and looking into all that, but you had a chance this year, you know, with the Draft Network to experience the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, How was that, you know, just seeing the guys up close and personal and, you know, being able to, you know, talk to some of the guys and just being there at the senior bowl and getting a view that, you know, we don't get from home. Uh, How was that? And did that change your perspective on some players that maybe you had like a lower grade on?
1: Uh, It definitely did. I. Uh, there's my second senior bowl to be, uh, to be able to be at. I went the year before on my own dollar just to try to get, you know, more experience in networking and everything. But this year was the first time I approached it, that it was essentially just another part of the job. Um, it's it's probably the best week of the year. I mean, I, I have a ton of fun at it, but it's also a great learning experience. I, I was – in the film room after one of the practices and the only open seat was next to john dorsey so i was like oh screw it you know i'll sit down next to john dorsey i don't care and he's explaining to his scouts who are on the other side of me you know very like detailed and technique that's going on on the screen and everyone in the room is listening and i'm just happen to be sitting right next to him so i'm like i'm taking notes i'm like looking around taking notes i finally get you know they end up leaving i get in control of the remote and and there was a lot of college coaches in the room and we're going over a lot of techniques that we're seeing, and a lot of small like differences that we're seeing. And you know, there's like the Arkansas State tight ends coach, and a few other D one coaches, some that were coached who had coached the players uh, who were participating. So it was a great learning experience there. But then also at the practices, you see. NFL coaching going on uh you see different drills that they're doing different warm-ups whatever it may be and then you're obviously seeing able to evaluate talent so I basically just stalk the receivers the whole time I'm like walking around like in the stands like wherever they are uh to get like the best view of them so they're doing indie periods and they're like five feet five feet in front of me you know basically right there on the sideline and so it's it's a great learning experience and on top of that you know I think you see guys who can when it comes to receivers you know, they one, They get into one-on-ones. You see guys who can thrive in one-on-ones. You see guys who can beat press coverage. But you just get more reps than a typical game film where a defense might just play him 10 yards off the whole time. You don't get to see, you know, how all the different types of coverages affects him. So it's, it's, a, it's a great experience. I, I would suggest it for anybody. And, and then it's a great evaluator, too, because you get to meet them. Uh, you get to see how they interact with their with their teammates, how they approach practice and everything like that. So you, you learn a lot.
0: Yeah, well, I'm definitely going to have to check that out next year so I can get that up close and personal and get a chance to watch, you know, the receivers and defensive backs. But uh, speaking of receivers, uh, the reason why we're here today on this podcast is, you know, we're going to list our top five guys. All right. So um, we'll both start from five and then go down from there. I'll, I'll give you the floor first because you are the guest here, the first guest on the inaugural episode of the Press Coverage Podcast. So um, right now let's jump into it man your number five guy
1: my number five receiver is Nikhil harry from arizona state uh so i did a, I had a day basically where i watched all the bigger receivers in the class um and i ranked Nikhil harry over hakeem butler who was kind of cl- they're kind of usually cl- closely ranked in the in most people's wide receiver rankings but i, I really like his ability feel the catch obviously and then his, his ability to win when he's contested so he's He's kind of that guy who I think he's not a great route runner. I think he has separation issues, but I know how he wins. Uh, I know that he's going to make those possession style catches, and he's going to get after it after the catch. And I just think he's a little bit more consistent right now than a guy like Butler. So I put him right there at five.
0: All right, man. So 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 my number five guy is probably going to you know become a shock to a lot of people because of how much I've you know talked about him on on Twitter. But Riley Really. and the reason why Ridley is my wide receiver five is because. I don't put a whole lot of stock into testing as far as, you know, if I like a guy or don't like a guy. I definitely still like him just as much as some of these other guys. But I worry about the upside because he didn't test as well. So, you know, do I think that, you know, him at his best can be better than DK McCaff if if it all comes together? No. So I can't have him that high. But as far as, you know, somebody that's just consistent and I know I'm going to get, you know, someone that's going to, you know, separate from defensive backs. Uh, you know, catch the ball very well, ball away from his body, Um, he's going to get a little bit of yards after contact, those type of things I like, and he has a little bit of 50-50 ball aspect to his game, Um, the the one thing that kind of, I don't want to say concerns me, but it's a little bit of a worry is he's not really just going to run by somebody, and you're not going to do that a whole lot in the NFL, but I know I'm really probably not going to get it with him, because I didn't see it at Georgia, uh, even though, you know, they didn't throw the ball a whole lot downfield like that, but uh, I definitely didn't see that from him. Uh, so that, that's one thing that kind of worried me with him, but I still like him. So he's at my number five. So we'll move on to number four and you, you can go ahead.
1: Uh, so my number four is AJ Brown. Uh, and I know you like AJ Brown a lot too. He had a ton of production at Ole Miss. Their offense kind of ran through that slot role, you know, even before AJ Brown, when he was a freshman, Van Jefferson had that role and he had a really productive season too. So we just knew that their offense kind of kind of run through that, that spot and, uh, you know, he showed off really strong hands, consistent hands. He's very strong. He's built extremely well. He's like six like two twenty six, uh, like broad-shouldered. So he's as, he has an excellent body for the position. I think he's very natural after the catch. Uh, I think that he's a little bit better on the outside after the catch, just because I think he works better against those smaller like cornerbacks than he is trying to break tackles from linebackers and safeties. But essentially, if if he's gonna you know fill that Golden Tate type of Quincy and Noonwall slot slot role at the next level, that big slot, I think he's going to find success. I don't know if a team's going to want him on the outside, and that's where my concerns come in. The reason he's not ranked a little bit higher, uh, I think his ceiling is a little bit limited if he's not playing on the outside. Uh, But I do think if he plays out there, there there could be some growing pains, but eventually I think he'll be productive out there too. So I'm, I'm pretty high on A.J. Brown.
0: My number four guy is Hakeem Butler. And I know some people have him really high. And when I was looking over my notes, I'm like, Damn, if I know any better, this would be probably a, or it should be a wide receiver one. But like you talked about when you were talk, talking about Nikhil Harry, uh, a lot of things that Butler does is it's just a little inconsistent. He definitely brings like a big play aspect to his game, especially for somebody that's five. You don't see that a lot, you know, outside of elite guys like Mike Evans, right? But, um, you know, attacks the ball, high point. I really like it. He did have a little bit of the drop seeds, but when you watch him drop a ball, yeah. it didn't look like something – that you know was because somebody that has poor hands it just it looked more like a a lack of you know concentration so Uh I feel like concentration drops those are something that you can probably improve on Uh, but you know some things that did worry me a little bit was it was a little bit harder for him to create separation it looks like he has that ability but uh, you know, sometimes DB's got in his chest and then he never got them off. So that, that was one thing that worried me a little bit. Probably needs to work on a little bit of, you know, variety of route running from different areas. He, he did run from the slot, routes from the slot. He ran routes from the outside. But sometimes it looked like he kind of turned off that juice at, at times and maybe took plays off or just kind of went through the motions. So those are things I look for him to improve on. But uh, we'll move on to the number three guy. So your number three receiver.
1: So it's actually funny real quick on Hakeem Butler, you know, watching his film. I, I remember writing down, if you give me two weeks with him, I will fix his hands. And that's, <laughs> it's like, that's what I think exactly you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's more of a concentration thing. And right. I do think that that will be fixed. Uh, but my number three guy is Kelvin Harmon from NC State another guy who has has good size. He actually did not test that great, kind of similar to to Riley Ridley, but I love his play strength, and I really do like his route running. Not in the sense that he's a guy who's this – this incredible separator, you know, he's not a Dante Pettis, but he's very consistent with his route running, and I think he has rare, like, extremely good technique as far as he doesn't waste any movements, and he knows, he understands body positioning probably better than any other receiver in the class, in my opinion, and th- that just for him creates those passing windows that are kind of always there for the quarterback. And he had an accurate Ryan uh, Ryan Finley was an accurate quarterback in college. He has his issues too, but. As far as if you get an accurate quarterback, they're going to hit Harmon because he's creating those passing windows. And then he has all those contested traits too because he's, he, he's big. He, that, that strength in the air and that and that strength on the ground is just incredible for him. So I'm high on him. I wish he tested a little bit better. He might have competed for wide receiver one if he did, but he's still in my top three.
0: Yeah. One thing I really liked about him was, you know, his run after the catch and after contact, man. That dude was tough and he could take a hit. There, there were some hits against, I want to say, Clemson Clemson yeah Clemson like down the sideline he he caught one it was like a whole shot throw and he just caught it knowing like man he's about to get stuck and he the safety came over the top boom smacked him and he still held on and there was another time where he you know ran like a double move over the middle caught it you know broke a couple tackles ran down the sideline now like you said he's not a burner he's never just really gonna outrun somebody but um you know, as far as like a really good possession receiver that adds that 50-50 value and red zone threat, I, I really like him. I really like him. And I think he can be, when it all comes together, uh, a number one receiver in the NFL. And it's weird because I don't have him in my top five, but I do like really like him. He'd be one of the next few guys. But uh, my number three guy, and I've gone back and forth over this, I, I don't know how many times in the last few days. But um, <laughs> <laughs> number three for me, Debo Samuel. All right. And, and one thing that I wrote in my notes was better than anybody else in this draft, I felt like he worked all levels. Like, and, and when I say that, I mean, you can give him the ball in a jet sweep and, you know, he can score. You can mm-hmm. throw a screen to him, he'll get a ton of yards. And then yep. he worked the you know, intermediate areas very well, over the middle, um, you know, where there's a dig, you know, a 10-yard comeback, uh, use his hands to catch a ball away from his body while somebody hanging on him. Those are things I really liked uh, about him. Um, you know, he can he plays outside. He can play in a slot. Uh, he caught some balls down the sideline where he's jumping over people and making guys miss. Uh, the first play of the game against Kentucky, he ran a slant, caught it seventy yards later. He's in the end zone. So you know that type of big play ability, uh, as well as the versatility, it was just something I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get that from some of the other guys like a, you know, Hakeem Butler, like Riley Ridley. So that's why he's my number three guy. So I know you'll get into him. So I, I'll let you go to your number two guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, my number two is Devo Samuel. This is my guy in the class. This is my, this is, you know, the guy who fits that mold that I was talking about earlier. And, Really, when it comes to my grading scale, it's based on my my expectations of my receivers that I coach in the sense that I want them to be complete players. And I mean, you just you you hit the nail on the head. He is about as complete of a player as you can you can find, especially at, at the receiver position. Good size, not great, not great height, but he's very thick. He's built so well. He's and he almost built like a running back, but with those receiver traits. So his contact balances go as a runner. Like you said, he's explosive when he, with his route running all levels of the field. He's a great red zone threat. You know, even if he doesn't have that great size, he knows how to get open in the red zone. He had 11 red zone touchdowns in his career. And then he had six rushing touchdowns in the red zone too. Last year as a junior, he only played in three games uh, before he ended up getting hurt. But in those three games, he had 3 receiving touchdowns on 15 catches. One of those was that one against Kentucky that you that you mentioned. He had one rushing touchdown on just 2 rushes and he had two kick return touchdowns on just two kick returns. He had 6 touchdowns. He only touched the ball 18 times. So, oh, wow. this is a guy who just knows how to get into the end zone, you know, consistently. And this year he had 11 more receiving touchdowns. I mean, he's just he he knows that he knows how to find that space. He knows how to run after the catch and he is a complete player. I think he's going to be if he's your number 2 target your number one's a stud and you're probably the best duo in the league.
0: Right. And, and that was kind of how I looked at it. When looking at my notes, looking at the film, I'm like, you know, he doesn't have the ideal height that maybe people would look, want or look for in their wide receiver one, but he does everything. And he, and he does a lot of things at a very high level. And it, again, his versatility playing outside, playing in the slot, he can line up, you know, any side of the field, run the ball. Uh, those were things that it's it just like, man, this is a wide receiver one especially if you put him in the offense i'm a 49er fan so i know if we get him with kyle shanahan and then you have dante pettis as well and then you have you know george kittle i think you have a nice little uh young group of, of targets there all right I, and, um, I would
1: love that i would right.
0: love that. I, well, I love that too i don't know you know I, I want him to stay away from your your patriots because uh <laughs> that that might be trouble especially with a lot of quick stuff that you guys like to do there but uh we'll, oh, we'll yeah. get into your number one guy your number one guy
1: uh what about your number
0: two? Oh, my number two. My bad, my bad. Uh AJ Brown. Alright, so uh the reason why so this these are the guys that I've been going back and forth with shoot for the last week or so. You know, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, which one do I like more? And what kinda won me over was today and let me go to this tweet. Alright. What kinda won me over was today? It was A.J. Brown, and what he did was, man, this this guy went and ran with Jerry Rice, right? So Jerry Rice, you know, he's famous for having that that hill that he runs in the in the Bay Area, and he went with uh, Jerry Rice, ran the hill, and he said, "Today, today I will do what others won't. So tomorrow I can do what others can't." And to me, that just spoke so much to his mindset and the willingness to always get better. And, you know, like I know, you know, coaching young dudes, there's not a lot of guys with that type of mentality now. And right. so when you put that type of work ethic with what he can do on the field, I was like, man, that's my number two guy. So, you know, another uh shorter, uh, I don't want to say short, but six feet, 226 pounds. So you talked about Debo being thick and built like a running back. This guy, I mean, he'd yeah. be the biggest running back on the 49ers roster. Right. But the things I do like about him, again, most of his time, you know, he spent in the slot for obvious reasons. You had DK McCaff on the outside of one one side and you had Lodge, DeMarcus Lodge on the other side. And, you know, but the Ole Miss offense, a lot of what they did ran through A.J. Brown. And from the slot, he did everything that I would like to see, Um, you know, catch the ball very good after the catch. He had like sudden quickness to where it doesn't look like he's just like, you know, just really shifty, but he's shifty enough. It's kind of like a sneaky uh, quickness to where he's making guys miss. And, I mean, there were a lot of times where the first guy definitely didn't bring him down. Uh, You know, screens, he's the type of guy, along with, you know, Debo Samuel, where you just want to get the ball in their hands. And then he gives you a lot of that stuff, you know, downfield as well. Strong hands, catches the ball away from his body. I, I posted a clip recently on Twitter where it's showing him run a comeback, and it was just smooth, you know, especially for somebody six feet 226 pounds the way he was able to snap down he worked back to the ball caught the ball with all hands and burst up field like those are things that I really like to see and I think those are things that are going to be consistent at the next level now now where I do have a little bit of worry with him is on the outside I didn't see him get that super um, you know uh, uh, separation first man press so right. I, I kind of worry with that but you know at, he ran a three three cone in 6.89 at his pro day I think he has the quickness and the ability, the feet to be able to improve on that. So I'm begging on him being able to improve on that so he can be more of an outside guy that can play against press. But I already know what he can do for his off coverage. I think, uh, you know, definitely can be your wide receiver one. And again, I love his attitude. I love his attitude.
1: Yep. I think, I mean, I think between him and Debo Samuel, they're both, like you said, a little bit similar in, in their versatility and their size. Um, I think those are two guys who are going to be hotly, de- I mean, they have been pretty debated and de- been debated for you too, and uh, they're going to be two guys who, when it comes to the draft, they could go right back to back, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting, but my wide receiver one that you want to get into, and I know we, we've both been itching to talk about him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, my wide receiver one, and I, I believe he's yours too, is DK Metcalf, uh, Ole Miss. The, like you said, he played on the outside at Ole Miss, almost exclusively to the left side as well. Uh, but as far as his his size, strength, and speed, there's a lot of good, big, athletic receivers in this class. We've talked about a few of them: Akeem Butler, um, uh, Nikhil Harry, Kelvin Harmon, also guys like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Miles Boykin. There's a lot of guys who have that size and and the athleticism, but none of them can do the things that DK can do. That high ceiling that he has, those splash plays that he has, are just they're they're rare they're you that term is too often used but it's it should only it should be reserved for guys who can do the things that dk metcalf can do you put him on a vertical plane and he's going to thrive uh vertical threat i mean he's he's very hard to slow down because he's 228 pounds and runs a 4-3. But also just because he's strong, he's strong in the legs. He's explosive in a straight line, and he has those subtle, those subtle, mo- those subtle subtleties to his game where he really beats press coverage. And it's not just because he's strong. He beats press coverage with his feet. Uh, he's, he uses his hands to separate uh, whether during his stem or at the, the, you know, at the catch point using like forearm shivers and those small things create separation. So he's just impossible to stop. Uh, if you are going to do that and he has enough agility that you know, despite whatever his agility numbers might have been to run those curl and those comeback routes and despite it being a small sample size he had enough success on inbreaking routes that i saw where i'm comfortable in him doing it more at the next level uh, so you just talk about a guy who's going to be an all- awesome vertical presence and you just have dominant physicality and his his explosiveness his acceleration once he's able to get going is just special and i i know that i would put him in my offense and you know, I'm gonna throw the ball to him ten times a game, and and he's going to probably gonna score a touchdown a game if if you do that. So he's, I mean, he just does rare things, and it's hard, it's impossible not to project him as as that top guy as long as he he's able to stay healthy.
0: Right, and and you know, yeah, my, my, my number one guy, of course, DK Metcalf as well, and I find myself like you, you know, we find ourselves defending him on on Twitter a lot with guys that just look at a three cone and say, well, he can't do this because his three cone was slower than tom brady's right um but when you look at the film it's like man i, I you know maybe maybe i don't have him run a post corner post right right I, yeah I, that might, that's not probably not going to be his specialty but he can run a post he can run a corner post i saw you post that where he gave a nice little jab outside and came back post and got some yep. nice yards after catch um i know he can run a slam come back dig he can run all those things now again i might i might not ask him to run hey, run hard this way, then back this way. But just the basic route tree, he can definitely run that. And the explosiveness that he has is undeniable. You know, you talked about his work at the line of scrimmage. He does have quick feet that kind of, you could see it kind of like gets a guy to open up, and then he's just able to just put his hand out there, slap a guy, you know, use his hands <laughs> or slap, rip, move, and just blow right by a guy. And you don't have that from, you don't get that from a lot of guys especially guys that are 6'3", 228 pounds. They're typically not just running by people. And then another thing I hear a lot is, well, when he faced Greedy Williams, he got locked up three catches, 30 yards or whatever. And I'm like, man, if Greedy Williams should have been able to lock him up because he was only running two routes all game. He ran a stop route and he ran a go route. And if I'm Greedy Williams, I'm LSU, and LSU is known for having a good defense, I'm pretty sure their coaches knew, hey, he's not going to. Give you anything else but these vertical out uh, outside release routes. So don't worry about anything breaking inside. Just focus on the comeback and the go route. And with somebody like you know Greedy Williams, who can who also runs a four three, that's making it easy for him. You know I thought Ole oh, Miss they didn't do their outside receivers any favors, especially DK. I never really saw them motion them down to a tight split to run any routes that might you know confuse the secondary. Uh, it, it was just comeback and go route and and uh, yep. you know, I, I talked about the LSU game he didn't run anything other than the comeback and go route until 1 minute left in the third quarter where he finally ran a slant route and, and he he ran he ran a slant he got separation but they handed the ball off you know so it was probably a run pass option so i just think that they they didn't do him any favors definitely there are you know red flags with his injuries and you hope that he you know can work through those things and have a healthy NFL career but his upside is just too high to be able to pass up on
1: any of that. I agree. And, and kind of what you said about the LSU game, even in the first drive, I thought he had that window vertically that Ta'amu just overthrew and then Grant Delpit made that diving catch along the sideline. That could have been a 50-yard gain if, if that ball's in the money. And then, like you said, with that slant route, I mean, he was going against press coverage with inside leverage, and he beat it to the inside on a slant, which is not easy to do. And he did it, <laughs> right. with, his, and he, he did it with his hands and his feet, you know, but he that, that swipe that he had really, like, made greedy Williams like back up onto his heels and he had that separation so uh, I mean I don't use I'm not never going to use one game as a as a as a full evaluation but even in that game I thought that he showed traits that you know didn't never like show that never had me pause never had me think oh this is what's what's going to be like for him you know uh, every step of the way I think that you know like you said is just I think their offense was a little bit vanilla I think coach Longo kind of just got a little too set in his ways and Dawson Knox, their tight end, has talked about the fact that he only ran 25 plays all season. So that's not that's not great. Like you said, he wasn't going in motion. He wasn't asked to do you know all these different types of double moves and routes like that. So he's just a guy who's gonna. I think once he gets into an NFL offense and they use him correctly, uh, as far as like a little bit more route variety and a little bit more motions and different alignments, that he's going to thrive. And he's just, I mean, if he's if he is on the if you even if you put him on the outside, hey, you're gonna be outside this whole time. They can't. You can't press him, right? No corner in the NFL is going to press him. Maybe outside of Richard Sherman, and because he's going to beat you vertically, so you have, I don't want you Richard do, Sherman
0: pressing him because Richard <laughs> Sherman can't run right now. So uh, Even if Richard if Sherman do, try to press him, to it can end up really bad.
1: <laughs> Even if you do, you need a safety to his side, so he's taking away two guys. How many receivers in the league demand a safety over the top of them? There's a decent amount, but that's a weapon for an offense. You're playing. You're, you're playing ten on. You're playing ten on nine the rest of the the rest of the field so i mean you could use i mean even just a decoy he's gonna be one of the best decoys in the league because he can just dominate press and get get vertical so he's i don't know i I, if i was an NFL coach i would i think i would be able to use him and he's gonna be a thousand yard guy next year
0: (laughs) right and and, and real quick here we're running out of time but what sleepers you know you you've watched a ton more ton of more guys than than i have um I, i saw you break down your your uh Top, it was like top seventy guys. So, and, and for anybody that's not following uh, Brad, go ahead and give him a follow at Brad Kelly Seventeen. Um, check out his work; he does wonderful work for the Draft Network. Um, he broke down about seventy receivers, right? So, um, if you had to say, you know, about two sleepers, um, guys that aren't really being mentioned as much as you know some of the guys that we've been talking about, who everybody has heard about, um, throw a couple of names out there and, and tell us why you like those guys.
1: Uh, well, I'll give you a few. Like, I'm a big fan of Terry McLaurin from Ohio State, and he, he had a great senior bowl. I'm not sure he's a sleeper, uh, just because he has been getting some buzz. He had a great combine. He also ran the four threes, and he's just an all-around great player as well. I think he's great on special teams, and I think he has a lot of potential, untapped potential as a receiver. Uh, but a couple other guys, I'm big on Miko Hardman, Riley Ridley's teammate at Georgia, just super explosive. I think he's I think he's equal to, at least equal to Marquise Brown as far as his vertical game and his ability after the catch. But I think my favorite sleeper is Stanley Morgan Jr. from Nebraska. Um, a little bit over six feet, he's over 200 pounds, so he has good solid sides. But I think he's ultimately the best route runner in the class uh, mm-hmm. as far as his his ref, like all around refinement goes. I think he's him. I would say him and really, I, I actually said Ridley would be number two. Um, but I think Morgan just shows that. He's a little bit, he's, he's awesome vertically. And I think he has those subtle nuances that allow him to separate vertically as far as, uh, you know, like shuttle, like subtle, like little hip shifts and, and mm-hmm. using his hands and really being able to stack and like, you know, get low with his pads and get into the pads of the defensive back and, and get that vertical stack. And, and then you look at it. I think he's also all around route runner too you know, all the in breaking routes. I mean, he was in Scott Frost's offense. So they're running, you know, a million different routes out there. And uh, he was very productive the last two years, about 2000 yards uh, in the, in the uh, big 10, you know, a lot of good defense, a lot of good corners out in the big 10. So he's a guy who I think ultimately will end up going maybe early day three. He didn't go to an all-star game. They were expecting him at the shrine game and he just what curiously wasn't there. Uh, But I think, (laughs) I don't, they didn't know why, but I think he ultimately goes on day three uh, because he wasn't at an all-star game. But I think that he's going to be a productive, you know, complimentary number two, number three receiver in the league for, for a long time.
0: Man, that's good stuff, man. Hey, Brad, thank you so much for coming on the inaugural episode of the Press Coverage Podcast. Uh, you know, we've talked about your Twitter account, but go ahead and just tell everybody, you know, where they can find
1: your work. Yeah, so all the work's can be at thedraftnetwork.com. Um, we do have a live draft show all three days of the NFL draft. We'll be doing a live show, um, and it's sponsored by Under Armour, and it's going to be at STK Steakhouse in Nashville if you're in town. Please stop by one of those three days. We will be saying the selections before they happen on TV. As soon as we learn about them, we'll be talking about them. Uh, you know, just providing analyst analysis for the three days as, as in-depth as we possibly can. Um, and also have a little something in the works to we'll be announcing it after the draft. So keep your eyes posted. You know what that is, but keep yeah. your eyes posted uh, for that as well. It'll be the day after the draft, it'll be announced. So that's that's all the work.
0: All right, man. Hey, I appreciate it again, guys. That's at Brad Kelly17 on twitter make sure you guys follow him great follow uh puts out a a lot of great content on his uh on his twitter account thanks man hey thanks for coming on bro i appreciate it
1: of course anytime
0: At Blue Wire, we don't just partner with any advertiser. We want to make sure we are giving our listeners a good deal on the product. That's exactly why we love doing business with Harry's. Harry's is giving Blue Wire listeners a shaving kit for just $3. So go to Harry's.com slash Blue Wire and you'll save $10 on a trial set which includes 5 blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shaving gel, and a travel blade cover. If you are not familiar with Harry's, it's time you should be. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. The founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that has been making quality blades for over 95 years. So join the 10 million who have already tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash blue All of Harry's blades come with 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash Wire to redeem your razor for just $3. So yeah, big shout out to my guy, Brad Kelly. Breaks down receivers like nobody I've seen so far on Twitter. Goes into all the little details of it, the ins and outs. Writes about it great content, must follow. And speaking of must follows, I have another guy coming on next episode, Jonah Tools from the Cowboys Wire to help me break down his top five defensive backs, top five cornerbacks. And you guys will be very surprised who his number one guy is. I'm not going to spoil it for you guys yet. Just make sure you listen, subscribe, rate this. Five stars are preferred. And get with me next time on the Press Coverage Podcast.